Greetings and salutations to you. Thank you for pressing play on the I Said No podcast. The episode that you are about to hear was recorded roughly two weeks ago when Rayshard Brooks was killed, shot and killed by Atlanta police. I was upset. I was hurting. I was confused. I was angry. My feelings, as I've been saying throughout this entire revolution, are big, complicated, and layered. And I want you to know that there have been updates since we recorded this episode. I say we because Denny Blanco is back with me on this episode. There have been updates. There have been things happening. And I just wanted to make sure that you knew that if I spoke out of term during this episode because I had the information that I had then versus the information that I have now, I want you to know that I'm aware of that. There's also a bonus, bonus episode for my Patreon subscribers. That's right. We tap into that B. Simone issue. Yep. That happened about two weeks ago as well. And I wanted to make sure that my thoughts, not specifically on B. Simone, but my thoughts on the oppressive, in my opinion, agreement that we were given as children, you know, the one that says imitation is the highest form of flattery. Yeah, that nonsense. I wanted to make sure we peeled that apart and debunk that myth that if someone copies you, you should automatically be flattered. And if you are not, then you are ungrateful. I say no to that. So you press play and let me know if I said no served you today. Beautiful soul unicorns. No, 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 no. Nope. It's Stephanie, the life architect. Oh, hell no. How about no? No, 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 no. Hell no. Hashtag ISN pod. Beautiful souls. Welcome back to the latest episode of the I Said No podcast. That hashtag is ISM pod. I am here with another episode sooner than I would normally be because I just have some things that I would like to discuss and share with you and get off my chest. And, you know, there is so much happening in the world. And every time I turn on my phone or every time I turn on my TV, it just seems like another black man is being shot. It just seems like there's another injustice happening. And even in the midst of this televised revolution, we just seem to not be able to catch a break on not being unfairly slaughtered as if we are animals in the woods. And of course, I have my partner here. He was on the last episode that we spoke about reparations, 40 acres and a mule. And he's back again. We were having a dialogue about the latest police killing that has happened in the last few days. And I said, listen, let's just get this microphone out because what we're talking about, I feel needs to be heard. So before we get into the dialogue about Rashad Brooks, And also, we're going to segue into plagiarism, thanks to B. Simone. I want to introduce or allow my guest to introduce himself. Sir? Denny Blanco, what's the word? Denny Talks is the show. I appreciate you for having me. Once again, I'm here. I'd rather much be here under different circumstances. Yeah. But I'm here. You are here and I would like you to be here under different circumstances as well. I would like you not to be a guest on my show to discuss police brutality, racism and justice and black men and women being slaughtered. But nevertheless, here we are. 
So, Denny Blanco, would you do us the service of giving us context behind the Rashad Brooks killing? Rashad Brooks. Apparently, it happened in Atlanta. It looks like the gentleman was in a um, uh, just conflicting reports. Some reports state that the gentleman was in the Wendy's drive through. Some reports state that he was not. So in the drive through drunk, asleep behind the wheel. There are reports suggesting that he was in the drive through. There are reports suggesting he was not drunk, asleep behind the wheel. Police were called to the scene. They started asking him questions. It started off really cordial questions where he where he's from, what, what he drank that night, where he was. Um, then they started asking him to take a breathalyzer test, which he did. And in that, you know, conversation, looks like it was maybe a, a 10 to 15 minute back and forth. According to the web, it says they were questioning him for about 30 minutes. In there, 30 minutes. That's so, a long time. 30 minutes, question back and forth. And they decided, the police decided to put him under arrest. Mr. Brooks didn't want to be arrested based on the video of him um, resisting, um, fighting both the officers uh, on the ground for at least five five minutes. They were spinning around and he got loose and um, looks like he grabbed one of the men's tasers and started running. One of the police officers tasers started running. They tased him and didn't do anything to him. And then they shot him dead. Rashad Brooks was 27 years old. He was killed in Atlanta on Friday June 12th, 2020. Yes, he was shot dead at a Wendy's drive through in the city. So for me, this, this killing is different from George Floyd's killing. Would you agree? In some aspects. Well, yeah, they're different. A hundred percent different aspects involved with this particular, um, this particular shooting from the police. Definitely draw a DUI. It's a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the conversation of always the conversation of is this, if, if this is a ticketable offense, how does one end up dead? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and clearly the, there have been um, conversation in different jurisdictions. I'm going to get that word right. You got it jurisdictions, right. Jurisdictions. There's been conversation in different jurisdictions <laughs> with police. <laughs> this is going to be constant. Uh, where there's a conversation about what's excessive force. Yes. What's needed force. Yes. There the conversations are being had and I am under the impression conversations have always been had. It's, it's not a matter of these conversations being new. They've always been had. Yeah. I agree with you. The Atlanta mayor, Keisha Lance bottoms less than 24 hours later. She didn't even wait for 24 hours. She released a statement uh, that she believed that there was no justification for deadly force to be used. One of the officers have been fired. The other, I believe, has been placed on administrative leave. That is as of today. We are recording today. It is Sunday, June 14th. That is the latest information that I have regarding Mr. Brooks' killers. Again, it says that the officer who killed Mr. Brooks, who is identified as Garrett Rolfe, I'm not sure if I'm saying his name correctly, the second officer identified as Devin Brosnan, he was placed on the administrative leave and Rofi, yes, was hot, fired. So 
Clearly that the mayor of Atlanta does not believe that the killing, the excessive force was justified. And it just, the result just ends up being the same, no matter what the situation initially was. It just always seems like a black man or a black woman will end up dead at the hands of police officers with any, 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 any situation in, 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 in any circumstance. Would you agree with that? We've, we've, we've covered Almost. And I think everything. I, I, I am, listen, the black man killing Olympics. And let me tell you something. You may, you may be like Dennis, the, you know, Denny, that's, you know, it's not a joking matter. And I'm like, no, I'm not looking at it joking. I'm looking at it as seriously like a competition where I'm sitting back. I'm like, wait. How many bodies can you get? Is that what it feels not like? Not even how many bodies. So let me, let me explain. The black man kill Olympics. It's like, how, how can you kill another black man? Is it going to be the same? Right. Like it's it seems to me it's an Olympics on how many different ways a black person can die yes. at the hands of police. Yes. So whether it's running, walking, standing, sleeping, sleeping jogging, sitting, jogging right. in your home, outside your home, um drinking, not drinking, walking your dog, walking your dog, not walking your we we every single time I think we have hit that gold medal. And we're gonna walk across that stage with our gold medal and say, "Oh, we've, they, you know, we've we've hit every single parameter. There's no way we can find another way to kill a black man." Ding, 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 ding. Mm. We can't really go back. We we, we got to go back to the go back to the video because there's another video coming out of sooner or later of another killing where it's just like, I thought, yeah, yeah, sure. People are confused. Like, oh, Eric Gardner. Oh, there won't be another choking incident. But there'll be another what incident, right? So take choking away. So what incident will <laughs> will it be? No, I completely understand. And let's break it down quickly for people who have yet to hear the story, have yet to read about the story. Police responded to a call on Friday night about a man sleeping in a parked vehicle in the restaurant drive through lane, causing other customers to have to drive around Mr. Brooks. Okay, so he's sleeping. He was drunk. It was too much for him. He passed out in his car. So he's blocking the drive through lane. So before people ask, did he have to have the cops called on him? Because when I was talking with Denny, when we first started to hear the story, that's one of the first questions I asked you. Right, Denny? Correct. I said, did he need the cops called on him? Or is this a Karen situation? Yeah, I said, if. I said, if that's the case, if right. what you just laid out was correct, he's going to have to have the police call on him. Absolutely. So this is why I wanted to talk about this case and the differences between certain other cases that unfortunately have ended up in the same result. Because any case, any circumstance seems to end up with bullets in the back or choking or knees on necks. And resulting in the death of a black person, no matter what the case seems to be. So, yes, he did need the cops called on him. him. Unlike many situations we're now seeing where cops are being called on black men and women for no reason by especially Karens. We we see these white women just losing their damn mind. So I wanted to break down that this was not that. Mr. Brooks did need the cops to be called on him because his car was blocking the drive through of Wendy's and which prohibits business. Would you agree with this? Correct. Okay. 
So now that we have that and the cops are called as they should have been called because they are the only, um, what do you call it? Civil servants. They are the only civil servants that are to be called when there is discord happening in the community, which is what we're going to get into because I believe that this is one of the issues as to why black people end up dead because police are called for everything, whether the situation is violent or nonviolent. I believe that cops should not be called for instances such as drunk drivers that are not violent or chaotic to the scene. We'll get to that. So the cops are called on Mr. Brooks and there is video out, whether you've seen it or not. And if you haven't, I completely understand these videos are traumatic and triggering for many, many people. There are many people who have no problem watching them and want to watch them or watch them once and initially to see what they, what happened so that they can have context and form their own decisions, which I understand. And some people just opt not to watch them at all. Either way you stand, you need not have my permission or anyone's permission to do what works best for your sanity. I did watch the video. I watched it because I wanted to have context and I will not watch it again, but I wanted to watch it initially because I don't want to have an uninformed, uneducated opinion when I speak to you and crack this microphone. So now that we know the police had to be called, what went wrong from the police being called because they had to, because his car was blocking the driveway, Denny, to him being shot. Give me, give me, give me where you think it went wrong from the 30 minute interrogation. Is that the word from the 30 minute line of questioning to the breathalyzer for in the, in the videos that you and I saw, you know, set it off is such a good movie. Uh, Remember set it off? I do. Yeah, and the, the police officer came and spoke to Vivica Fox. And, mm-hmm. and said, what should you do? What is the no, procedure? No, let me get the line right. Okay, please. Because you know I like to get the lines right. Educate me. What is the proper procedure? Mm. What is the proper procedure? Mm-hmm. So I asked that question when it comes to these two police officers rolling up on this black man who happens to be drunk behind the wheel. Of um, his own car. Of his own car. But in, in the driveway. In the driveway. Now, in the video, it doesn't start off that way. It no. starts off with him having a conversation with the police officers. And it doesn't appear to me that his car is still in the driveway. It, right. It we don't know if the white car that's shown in the video, we don't know if that's his that is now in a parking spot. We don't know. I'm, a, I'm, I'm every, hoping the, that the initial reason it was called, the car a, was moved. There's a video. There are a couple of videos. There's a video, obviously, of the, the police officer's cameras, and there's a video of, of a big shot of the whole entire scene. From what I saw, everybody was in line at the drive-thru. Was, it, the drive-thru was moving. So that would lead me to believe that his car wasn't there anymore. So now we're at a point where it's a conversation of, well, I have to investigate and make sure that and prove that you're drunk from the police angle. Not the fact that you see this man here, he was clearly drunk, in he's, my opinion. He's, he's drunk, but the conversation from the police, which is, hey, can you walk home from here? Didn't he oh, offer to walk home? I was going to get there. Okay. Now, the conversation coming to a location where you know for a fact, and you don't know if a person is drunk, but you've confirmed it by the conversation, and you've even taken a breathalyzer. Right. So at this point, the gentleman... Mr. Brooks said, hey, you know, uh, I don't want to be in violation of nothing. 
I'll just walk home. He said, I'm a few blocks away from my house. I'll walk home. My daughters are waiting for me. Yesterday was my daughter's birthday. We've been celebrating. We've been turning up. Came to get some food for me and my wife, for me and my girl, you know. And he he was just like any other man who was trying to feed his girl who said, she said, you know, it's your job as my man to feed me. You figure out what I want. So I'm listening to all of the dialogue he's sharing back and forth with this officer. And for me, it doesn't feel like he was a threat. And you don't have to be a threat for an officer to arrest you. Absolutely not. You don't have you have to break the law. You, you don't you don't have to be say that again. You don't have to be a threat for an officer to arrest you, nor you don't have to break the law in your eyes. Right. You have to break the law by the law's eyes. By the person that's arresting you, by their eyes, they can arrest you. Once they say you are under arrest, there is nothing that you can do to fight that. If you resist that person, officer, has the right to do anything physically to you to get you under arrest. So if that officer sees you walking and decides, I want to arrest you for obstruction of justice or disorderly conduct, they have the right to arrest you once they say that based on the law. And then you have to follow that up with a fight in the justice system. Right. You can't fight that person. In the you moment. Can't, in the moment. You no. can't do nothing. So no. in the eyes of that human being who's been trained. That personal decision. Who has to make an extra, who has the ability every single day to make, to make an extraordinary decision. Yeah. Joe Rogan. An extraordinary decision making is is being relied on by another human being. Yeah, and then that person decided that that person, uh, Mr. Brooks, needed to be under arrest. That's when all hell broke loose. Now, before I, I, I punch it over you, I'm sorry, and we may want to get into the conversation of what a DUI means, but driving under influence. Driving under influence. DUI, now, driving under influence. Driving yes. under the influence. So obviously he was driving under the influence to be parked inside or outside, but blocking the drive through of Wendy. So it is clear he already broke a law. So in my con- in my head, I'm I'm fast forwarding it, fast forwarding this and saying he doesn't get shot. He goes to jail. Yeah. Lawyer comes to him. Because they're supposed to put you in a tank and you sleep it off. He goes to jail, whatever the case may be. Resisting, we're going to add resisting arrest to that because he was resisting arrest too. He doesn't get killed. He right. goes to jail. Right. Lawyer comes and lawyer gets the information. It's like, okay, well, did they see you? So these officers didn't actually pull you over noticing you were drunk. No. So these officers showed up hearing that you were drunk, had a conversation with you. They obviously didn't see you drive. You were outside of your car. You... Tell them you had a couple of drinks. He wasn't outside of his car. Wasn't he sleeping in his car in the drive-thru? Where the video started. Because that could be the case. I don't know. The vid- That's what they're saying. They're saying he we was... Don't, you're saying there's no evidence there's no that he, evidence. Was, he was in... We don't have... Excuse me. We don't have visual evidence. Visual, visual evidence. So but I, there is evidence if someone called and said oh, this is what they see. 100%. As a lawyer, I'm in my head. I'm arguing that. Right. Where is the representation? Judge, where is the uh, proof? But that's what witnesses are for. So right. you get the witnesses who were right. at the drive-thru. Right. Yes. He was right. He was drunk behind the wheel. He drove over to the right and now he's parked, parked his car. Now the police show up. Do they have a right based on inf- investigation, based on witnesses to arrest a man who is not driving anymore? Do they have the right, and that's the question I'm going to have to research, do they have the right to still arrest him, even if he they just show up and it's like, oh, I heard you were drunk. Walk, Can you walk a line for me? Can you take this breath? It's like, but I, I'm not driving. So am I 
not illegally able to be drunk in the street. I thought it's public intoxication right. a crime. Ticket. Ticketable offense. Okay. And they let's say that, again, they can literally say, I want to take you in because we feel you're unsafe and not. But, and that is a possibility. Whether you decide to get behind the wheel again or they allow you to get behind the wheel, obviously they, they should not. No, no, no. But even walking in the street, you could be a menace or a danger to society because you're drunk. You're not really thinking you're not on a full mind, right? You're not on a full sane mind. And there are different ways this could have been handled. You're absolutely right. We have to figure out or not even figure out. Let me take it back. We have to acknowledge that every officer, what did you say? Joe Rogan said has a extraordinary decision. We have to acknowledge that being a police officer every day, you have to make several extraordinary decisions that determine the trajectory of someone's life, Extra, right? Extraordinary life decisions. Yes. That's what he called th- it. Yes, because it deter- your decisions on the law and how you personally interpret the law has the ability to change the trajectory of someone's life. So this is not an easy job. And I feel like, you know, when that is said a lot, especially from the black and people of color community, People want to jump down your throat. Oh, please. They know what they signed up for. Not saying that they didn't initially believe they know what they signed up for. But it's no different than taking on a job where you believe you understand the expectations of you. And then you actually get in the field. And in the field when you do have to make those extraordinary life changing trajectory decisions, you're overwhelmed. In addition to your systematic racist DNA passed on oppression. I have a question. You, there are a couple of verticals where a life you're in charge of a life. Mm-hmm. It's a couple of verticals. I can name a couple, and in these verticals, I guarantee to you, the training and the consistent training doesn't stop. So when I say you're in charge of a life, so for example, as a doctor, you could be in charge of a life. Yeah. Right. As an anesthesiologist. Anesthesiologist. That's a doctor as well. You don't have to separate them. That's a doctor. Doctor as well. She's he or she's Rainbow Johnson is a doctor. He or she's responsible for life. Yes. Right. That's a doctor. So the training involved is not one year. Right. Our training in America is abysmal. I mean, I saw something online that compared other places, other continents other in reference to police training yes Mm -hmm. about one year two year what's trained how it's trained and of course ours is the least and then we put people out there right and then we have to talk about the sub training not just the training by law that you're supposed to give we have to talk about the intentional sub training that happens with all the dialogue and the pressure of the blue wall Right. We're not talking about just the training that we all know about. I'm talking about the training of the racial profiling, the training of whatever happens behind the blue wall stays behind the blue wall. I'm talking about the racism and the sexism behind the blue wall. I'm talking about the quotas. It's a new to make sure that people are in jail for minor crimes. It's people specifically black people. Right. So we have to understand that it's not just the training that we all believe is happening. There is training from your captains, from your fellow policemen and women, from the blue wall that automatically puts you in a position and puts you under pressure to do things that you morally might not have done if you were not a police officer. Does that make sense? hundred percent. Yeah. When you join a new family, sometimes you're, sometimes you cut off the old family. 
sometimes you pick up new things that your old family would have never thought you'd pick up. And sometimes you shun, you completely shun your old family, your new family, your blue wall. That's the new family. So you may have had, you may have had a code, a specific way of moving in life before the blue wall, before that new family. When you had your old family, they gave you a code. Now you have a new family. Now you got to go by a certain code. Now you got to, you have to code switch literally in order to survive or in order to actually uh, be able to have a career within the police department police for me are supposed to be helpmates not supposed to be oppressors and i feel like this is one of the issues with mr brooks's video the man offered to leave his car there he said can i just lock my car up leave it here i'm a few blocks away from home i just go home to my daughter and my my daughters and my girl and you know i'll just sleep it off and come back and get the car another time if you were here to help him cpr what about CPR? Courtesy on the it's a kind of on the side of LAPD cause courtesy, professionalism, and respect. Right. So if you gave me the courtesy, right? I didn't hurt anyone. Yes, I broke the law because clearly I drove here drunk, right? I I didn't I don't snap my fingers bibbity bobbity boo and end up in a driveway in my car behind the driver's wheel and I didn't drive. Let's let's not act like that's not true. If I am in my car and I am blocking the drive through, obviously I drove here intoxicated. Okay, so that is a law break that you didn't physically witness yourself, officer. So if you're here to protect and serve, I didn't hurt anyone. I did not hurt anyone. There is no one in this parking lot who is hurt, bleeding, distraught. I did not break any law that caused someone else bodily harm. Would you agree? So if I did not do that, is there any way where you can be a helpmate to me, especially if I'm within a walking distance, a walking radius, I'm blocks away from my house. Is there a way you can just get me home safe? Is there a way where we can honor what I asked and said, can I just leave my car parked here overnight? And if not here in this parking lot, if Wendy's does not allow that, can I leave it parked on the street overnight? You, if you got to take my keys, take them. Can you just let me go home? And if you don't feel comfortable with letting a drunk guy loose on the street, which I understand why you possibly wouldn't, because then I could possibly do something to someone else because clearly I'm intoxicated and not in my right mind. Would it be so difficult for you to usher me home? Follow me home. I'm going to walk home. You can follow me in your car. Is, is it that impossible to be a helpmate instead of an oppressor in these situations for black men and women? Yes, it's impossible. Why is that impossible? The training doesn't suggest so. <laughs> the training doesn't suggest so, but is there any part of your moral compass? Uh, once again, I'm a new part of a new family. I have to move a certain way. That old, that old Denny, old Denny before the blue wall is going to come up and you know, I mean, challenge you like, yo, you, you really can't, uh, you know, you really don't go with this, you know, police brutality. You can't just allow this lady that's, you know, that's your superior officer just kick this black man in the face. You have to say something. You have to, you have to do something and. What, what can you do if you say something are you going to be heard uh, will you have your job saved uh, will people take you seriously and from history the history that I've read and understood the answer is no I believe the sobriety test should not have been performed so late in the conversation from what I'm gathering online that if you get called with a drunk or disorderly person as soon as you arrive on the scene you're supposed to provide or administer 
a sobriety test. This mm. is what I'm reading online. Again, mm. I don't know if this is all fact. If you are in law enforcement or know someone who is in law enforcement, please See, let me know because next. the World Wide Web has a ton of information where you don't know what's law accurate or not. Law enforcement information from Atlanta. Because once yes, again, when I yes, say jurisdiction, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. NYPD, LAPD, Atlanta PD, Florida PD, Miami mm-hmm. PD, they mm-hmm. all have different laws, regulations, rules that they follow. Right. So according to CNN, there were witnesses on the scene that said the officers did not perform a sobriety test when they approached Mr. Brooks at Wendy's. Right. So you're 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 forcing unnecessary 30 minute dialogue for what? Again, protect and serve. Right. So if you really if he was really a threat, if he was really a threat, why would you want the threat to stay around this public space for 30 minutes? Hmm. Does that make sense to you? Like if he's really a threat and you really feel like this is a guy who ends up with a bullet in his back and the bullet is justified, why would you want him in a public space for 30 minutes instead of following what they're saying is procedure that if someone is called for drunk and disorderly conduct, when you arrive at the scene, you can perform a variety of sobriety tests initially so that you can get that out of the way. And that's not what happened. I also feel like if there was more empathy and less fear, many of these black men and women would be alive today. This goes into a deeper issue than just being about the blue wall. This goes into personal fear of black people. This goes into years, 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 generations and generations of misguided, inappropriate bias. On purpose. On purpose, (laughs) intentional for some, unintentional for others, because there are some people, there are some white people who really do not believe that they're racist. We've had this conversation because of all that's happening here, because of Central Park, Karen, when it's just like, I'm not racist. I was just scared of this white man. Excuse me. I mean, excuse me, black man. Excuse me, Karen. If you see a black man or woman and you instantly are full of fear. That is racism. You, because you were taught that this black hued person was going to harm you. Where do you, and then again, you say that taught. Yeah. So you, you don't think you're taught that if you're, she looked like maybe she's in her forties, maybe yeah. in her fifties. So you're trying to tell me visually, depending on what you watch, you're not taught that. You're trying to tell me media doesn't push that narrative. You're trying to tell me the newspapers don't push that narrative. So when you when yeah. you're when you're a, a white male or white woman growing up, never have no interactions with black people, decide to become a police officer, and now you have interactions with black people, and now it's a social situation where you're not able to engage that situation or scene because you don't know whether it's the jargon, the vernacular to use, et cetera. And all you're doing is fanning the flames. Right. Once again, if you can find me in every scenario that we can discuss in every name and you can litter off five, six, seven, eight, nine names, then not too many times, the majority of the times it's a white hmm. officer and a black person. And I say person because it could be a woman, it could be a man or it could be a child. Yeah. Person. Black person. Because Tamir Rice was a child. 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 You you don't the 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 the, the video of Tamir, you you literally it's a pull up of two seconds. Gotta shoot him. Bang. He's he's a black person with a gun. He's Allegedly. a black child with a gun, so Allegedly. he is automatically don't a threat to society. I don't know if he's a child. That's the problem. The officer that showed up didn't know he was twelve. How do you not look at that? See again, 
I'm white. I don't not. I'm not. So even black children are big black males who are who are a threat. There you go. I'm not assessing anything but what I need to assess. Mike Brown, the assessment was thief. Loose. Yeah. Assessment number one. Okay, he's a thief. What did he steal? Doesn't matter. Oh, there he is. Oh my goodness. He's six five. I don't care about his age. I don't I don't know if he's 16, 15, 14. He's six five and he's bigger than me. Yeah. I have he's charging at me. He has no weapon. I can die. I'm gonna kill him first. That is justifiable mm. homicide based on on the law which is such nonsense because you and i just watched a video of this white drunk guy who was supposed to be getting arrested by two white officers not only did he fight them he took their baton and beat them then he took their car and uh stole it am i correct stole it as yes and you got his friends and people or people recording like yo bro what are you doing just lay down they're telling him but this video goes on and on and on if he was black he wouldn't have even gotten to half of the things to steal the car he beat the cops with their own baton tase and all this stuff and he's still alive to this day when you have other humans on this earth want to look me in the face and tell me that Dylan Roof. <laughs> See, when, once you tell another human being who's logical, something has happened before. Right. Like if you say, oh, so there's a Dr. J. So if I see a Dr. J, that means there could be a Jordan. Right. That means there could be a LeBron. Mm-hmm. That means there could be a Kobe. Right. All I need is one to see that it could be done. And it, it, it could be done. So when you show a Dylan Roof, we've established he killed nine people. We've established he's violent. We've established that. You meet violence with violence. The expectation of these police officers for me when I heard they were looking for him was they're going to Swiss cheese this mofo. Yeah. That was my first understanding. They're going to Swiss cheese that foe. <laughs> Didn't and they buy him Wendy's or something? They bought him Wendy's and arrested him. Now, How ironic that he was bought Wendy's and, this, and, and Mr. Brooks was killed in Wendy's. If you have a chance, hmm. look up Chris Darner. Oh, Yeah. I've had the uh, privilege of reading his manifesto, yeah. which a lot of newspaper newspaper uh, news media refused to put up. It was on his face Facebook. Yeah, media refused to put it up. I decided to do some digging and read the whole entire thing. And let me tell you, it is a it's a good read. It is a very good read. Yeah. Here is a man who is perfect by when I say perfect, perfect by every stretch. Perfect of the on paper. Perfect on paper. Schooling. You got Naval Academy, police, everything perfect, straight A's. The man has been only, you know, obviously in his in his schooling, he suggested he's only been the, the one or two of blacks every level. Every time to. he went somewhere, he was really from second yeah. to eighth. Every every he level, he was exceptional. He was exceptional. He was the exceptional what they call from in Django the exceptional nigga, mm. right? Now, Chris Donner, his life completely changed. When he said his white sergeant, who was above him in status, they were both arresting, both arresting someone who needs to be arrested, and she decided to kick this person that's already on the ground, cuffed in the chest and in the face. Chris had a problem with that. Chris didn't like police brutality. He sent word up and said, hey, I want to form a formal complaint against this person. Once he did that, all hell broke loose. 
and they made LAPD, which you we know the history in LAPD. LAPD made it a point to frame him as a bad person. What they say, impugn his name because he wanted police brutality to be brought up to the forefront. And in his manifesto, he said, hey, Rodney King, the Rampart scandal, which is a scandal involving uh, police officers literally beating up people and stealing drugs, etc. That's nothing. Nothing has changed. It's still going on. You think the LAPD wanted this man alive? Hmm. Yes, he, yes, he ended up killing the daughter of the lawyer that defended him in uh, his fight with the LAPD. He said it specifically. He obviously had names. One of the names was there, and he said, you were part of them. You're retired, but you're, you defending me was like you literally was being on their side. I'm coming for you. And he ended up killing his daughter and his daughter's uh, boyfriend on his way to his death in the San Bernardo Valley. The point of the matter is, if you're expecting the blue wall of silence to come to the aid of a whistleblower, or respecting the blue wall of silence to be on your side, it's not going to work that way. No matter if it's a black person, a white person, an Asian person, an Indian person, that blue wall of silence is a wall for a reason. Agreed. Well said. Thank you for sharing that because when you read the manifesto to me, I was just like, no wonder this man snapped. You do what you're told to do the right way, quote unquote, the right way all your life. You become this pillar of your family. You become this pillar of society. You're a black man who who knows that he has to fly where white people have to crawl and you fly and you soar and then you become a cop and then you're like, wait a minute, what is happening? And you stand up for what's right. Your morals and values are on full display and you're punished because your morals and values are on full display. Also, that Dallas shooting, the police officers, another Another look, you know, you don't get any, you don't hear a lot of information about that Dallas shooter that ended up shooting some uh, police officers. He was in the army too. It just seems like we have black men that do the right thing, get to a certain level, and then their eyes start opening up like, wait, it doesn't matter if we do the right thing? No. If all that matters is if you're black or if you're white, that's what matters? Yeah, because the contract is broken. Trevor Noah, thank you for putting us on to that. The contract was broken by the creators of the contract. And when we witness that and we rebel against that, the contract creators then try to make us the villains. And this is what hurts so much. No matter what you do as a black person, you just feel like it's never going to be right or never going to be enough. It chokes me up to look at you as a black man, to think about my dad, to think about my nephews, my brothers, my friends, my associates, my, 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 myself, even with my light skin privilege. It's a wall I'll hit because the contract makers want to change the goalposts every time one of us hit what we were told was enough to be included, to be treated fairly, to be treated equally, to climb the corporate ladder, to matter. It's always going to change 
no matter what you do, what degree you get, what A-list honorary doctrines list, it doesn't matter how much money you accrue, how much fame you accrue. They are stopping athletes in the driveways of their own mansions. It doesn't fucking matter. And the level of frustration that comes with that is why Wendy's is now burned to the ground. The level of frustration that comes with the contracts not being written for us to include us is the reason why the looting happens. And I'm just so annoyed. I'm so annoyed. I'm so fucking annoyed that it just has to continuously be this way. And I ask myself, will will before I die and my flesh and soul separate, will this ever change? No. You, you, you do realize that some people, I say you do realize, some people do not understand. You know how farming is an industry? Mm-hmm. And uh, retail, clothing. Yeah. Yeah. Produce. C- criminal, criminality. It's big business. Oh, yes. Money. If I get arrested, if I get arrested, I get sent to jail, guess what? Those police officers that arrested me, they're getting paid. Guess what? I get to get to the jail. Who's going to see me? A lawyer. He's getting paid. Guess what? I'm going to go see a judge after a couple of months, maybe the, you know weeks, whoever, whatever time it takes. Guess who's getting paid when I go see the judge? How many people are in their room? CEOs. CEOs is getting paid. The judge is getting paid. The stet, the stet, what's her name? The stet, the, the the person with the, the person with the keyboard. She, he is getting paid. The lawyers are getting paid. Everyone's getting paid. And then if it takes eight months, nine months, then I go to jail. I go to a jail. Could be a private jail. Guess what? People are getting paid. It's big business. Black when, oppression has always been big business. hundred thousand percent. Black so, oppression is not yeah. new to putting yeah. money in white people's pockets. So when you come, when you talk about change, no. The wealth gap between black and white Americans, mm-hmm. that gap signifies the gap of change when it comes to <laughs> police brutality, when it comes to prison systems. That is that that particular gap. That that's never going to change because too many people make money off of the backs of black people, just like they did in the slavery. Because you know, you pick cotton, you gotta make it off the backs, the backs of, of slaves. You make it off the backs of private ownership of uh, prisons, off the backs of the city. City. Why? Why wouldn't you want to be a lawyer, a, a legal aid, legal aid uh, lawyer in the Bronx? Why wouldn't you be? Yeah, somebody's going to say, oh, you're overwhelmed with hundreds of cases. Yes, you're overwhelmed. And that those cases will take forever and you'll get paid and you won't lose. There's, there's Not all of them get paid well. Let's no, no, no. It's, it's not. It's not, not about. No, no, no. It's not. Yeah. For me, it's not even about being paid well. You're just a small piece of the big payment puzzle that those judges get paid well. Those well, we know C- that. Those CEOs get paid well. Those detectives that got to come back and be subpoenaed. They, I mean, I've read 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 documents about certain murders in certain jurisdictions where the police officer's like, "Yes, he's dead." Now I have overtime. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. We can go down a rabbit hole with that, but I want to be solution driven. So, what what 
do we think should happen in order for police not to be called for nonviolent instances? So this is one of the things that I think will help the killings of black men and women, right? Because I feel like a lot of times what's happening is the calls that are happening are going to police for nonviolent offenses that to me, not necessarily the police needs to be called for, but we don't have another service that we can call other than 911, which leads to the police or the fire department, right? So when we talk about defunding the police, we just watched Bill Maher and he said something that's really smart. He said it shouldn't be called defunding the police, right? He said something about that it should be called diversifying police funds. Yeah, you could, I mean, I forget the exact word you could use. Charlemagne said remix. You could use so many different avenues, but when you say defund, obviously he, he was stating that it gives the... Trump administration uh, uh, um, a talking point where they could say, oh, look, they're trying to defund the police, which means they're going to have one gun to share between 500 police officers and you're going to die. But I agree with him. Defund doesn't sound like reallocate funds, which is what he said. Reallocate police funds instead of defunds. Whether the definition of defund means zero funds or some funds removed, it does not sound like it's the reallocation of funds. Divert. Right. Divert funds. Right. Reallocate funds. Divert funds does not sound the same as defund. Defund sounds like I'll let you read the definition of defund. Go ahead. Prevent from continuing to receive funds. Prevent from continuing to receive funds. Exactly. So defund sounds like their police department, the police departments will have no money, which is not the intention. The intention is to reallocate the funds. So wording words mean things. We can't pretend words mean things when we want them to mean things and not when we don't. They mean things all around. So defunding the police needs to be reworded to reallocating the funds, pivoting the funds, you know, uh, whatever, just not defunding. Even. So when we talk about reallocating the funds, where do the funds go to? I believe that many of the city services and the governmental services are stressed, right? You know, child services are stressed. They barely can get to the caseloads that they have for the poor children who are being abused in their homes. So there are many services that need to have more money put into them so that we can better protect our children, our women, our men, so forth and so on. But I also believe that the reallocation of funds should also create separate services, such as what I was referring to, so that police are not called for every single thing that is not violent related. What do you think about that? Defund the police, which means if you get a budget of 500 million, you get a budget of 1.2 billion Defund the police could be looked at as literally saying their normal budget every year is four point. Uh, the normal budget is uh, five hundred million. This budget now is going to be a hundred million. We're taking the excess four hundred million that we would have definitely sent to the police. We're going to send it here to create what you just mentioned to create a a civil a um, domestic domestic uh, allocation team board and I'm just spitballing here uh, that goes out strictly to, to non-violent issues non-violent domestic issues I or don't think domestic a- when you say domestic I'm hearing domestic violence okay I, I did I say I don't think I, 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 I said what I hear I didn't say you said that so what do you suggest I say 
I'm not suggesting you say it. This is a podcast, right? So I'm just telling you what I hear. And maybe if I hear it, someone else will hear it. All and right. maybe because you don't hear it, someone else won't hear it and agree with you. Yeah. So this is what I'm saying. I just hear when so I when hear I domestic, domestic. You hear violence after that. Because domestic violence normally goes together, right? Yeah. So I just want it to be clear for me, not that you said it. I'm listening. That it has to be nonviolent issues that the police are not called it's gonna be, for. Yeah, it's going to be a very difficult transitional period. Domestic disputes can be domestic, can turn into a domestic violence situation very quickly, even when the police are there, when it doesn't happen. So you're right. It could go... Many ways. Many yes, ways. yes. That's why this thing is layered. It can't just happen overnight. So again, we can talk about defunding all we want. There are some people who might agree with you that think defunding is just a reallocation. And then there are other people who hear defunding like me and they hear take money away. There's no money for police. So that's not what the intention is. As you said, the intention is if there's 500 million, we're saying you only need 100 and you can take this 400 and give it to other people. Part of me too is just uh, I I I don't even subscribing to that that concept like oh you know seeing it this way seeing it that way. Colin Kaepernick said what he said one time, well just one time, and people was like no he's kneeling because he hates the flag. They're gonna be people that just literally believe what they want to believe. Oh, absolutely. Hear what they be- absolutely. Hear. And there's nothing you can defund, remove, divert, remix any word you use. These motherfuckers are gonna be like. Oh, well, you know, because the police, you know, so, you know, I think Bill Maher needs to focus on what the, when you say, oh, he, they, we picked the wrong, the people picked the wrong word, whatever. This is not a regular time. This is election time with the president who's a racist fucking prick. So, yes, words mean things. If, if, if changing the word defund or never even putting the word defund out and using reallocate instead would have people not thinking that we're, we're going to be now in the purge and that means there's going to be no police and women are going to get raped and children are going to get kidnapped. If that changing the word gets Trump out of office, that fucking yes, words mean things. It's not about worrying about, oh, this person always going to think something. Yes, people are always going to interpret things the way they want to interpret it. But the goal is to have the majority of people on one side to get this fucking pig out of office. And if changing the word defund does that, words fucking mean things. We can't pick and choose when words mean things. We can't say, oh my God, that's not what that means, but you should know what it means. No. You you have better hope for that group of uh, individuals referring to? I don't have hope. What I'm saying is words mean things. I don't know if it's ever going to work, but we want, we can't pick and choose when we want to tell people you have to have an accurate word to go with the dialogue. Well, that's what, yeah, that's what Bill Maher was saying. I, that's why I agree with Bill Maher and you're yeah. disagreeing with him. I'm, yeah, saying I'm saying why I agree with him. Yeah, I, I'm saying in a disagreement, I'm saying I don't think based on the history of a Trump supporter and how they move from what i've seen i don't think (laughs) based on everything and he means well based on everything that i know for him being a alleged uh rapist him being an alleged sexual predator him being a terrible human being i do not believe that wording is going to change the specific demographic of who we want to change to come on the uh, smart side. I but, disagree but, because yeah. what's been happening so much already has changed people who were Trump supporters. I've seen videos of white women who we need most who voted him in. 
I've seen videos of white women saying, I initially voted for Trump. I cannot believe I did that. I was raised a Republican. I saw a video of a woman, a white woman who was like, I was raised Republican. My family always did it. So he was Republican. So I automatically voted him. And I can't believe that I did that. After watching George Floyd, after this, after that, I can't believe I did that. Now, that goes to me challenging what you said where you're like, I don't believe that his demographic, of course, not all his demographic. You're going to have people who want to stick to what they know, yeah. stick to what they believe. I do not believe that change can't come to any demographic, whether it's 10% of the demographic, 20%, 5%. There is a possibility. Oh, yeah. There's a there's always a possibility. I'm just going on. I guess I'm being a half empty kind of person based on the history of what I've seen. Of course, those I understand. Same, those same white women allowed him to be allegedly a sexual predator allowed him to be allegedly a rapist allowed him but a black man dying was the reason why they decided to not vote for example don't know if that's the case but a black man dying was the reason why they decided well you have to change their vote i honestly believe and this is my personal opinion black lives matter uh, pandering to black people is the new armani, absolutely it's the, the new, new black it's the new armani sweater yes. polo it's the new polo throwover pandering like to you, black is the new black like lululemon 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 Lulu, yeah that too lululemon <laughs> both them jaws lululemon lululemon that 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 canadian manufacturer that all the white bees knees uh, mm-hmm. uh, people yeah that's like them coming out with some new new and they put it on like oh look at me so when people say oh i now realize I sometimes call bullshit, but that's a different We cannot generalize and say everyone who is advocating for Black Lives Matter. I sometimes call bullshit. Right, fair. Sometimes it's not generalized, so that's fair. I sometimes call bullshit. There are some people out here who are pandering because Black Lives Mattering is popping right now. Just doing a running man. Then there are some people who really have a change of heart. Sure. There are some people who are growing. There are some people who are not here for the way they've been living and operating. So we can go back and forth about that. But like you said, that's another episode. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to focus on the people who are genuine. I'm trying to focus on the people who are coming to fight for your black skin. And I do have you can you, they they can't see you how you're giving me the side eye. They can't they can't see they can't see your bitch please face. They can't they can't see it. They can't see it. But nothing keeps me sane at this point but focusing on what is changing versus what is not. Sure, there are things changing. So I'm not going to sit here like I could bust out in tears. I cannot I cannot function if I only focus on what is really not happening. I have to focus with being educated on who is fake and who is not, of course, but I have to focus on how much short progression has happened in this short time since Ahmad Ahmad's death, since George's death. George's death set off a firestorm like no other. And there has been, small or not, there has been change. And what I hate about us as a community is we always only want to focus on the negative. And yes, we have trauma that tells us negativity is all that they bring to us. But we also have small wins and victories. Yeah, I agree. I just, you know, I agree. And then, pardon me, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Just knowing the history that I know and just the glass half full, um, I'm thinking about all the times we, I'm looking at all the black victories, right? And I'm looking at it like someone saying, we're going to give you a three-course meal 
at a sp- expensive restaurant and you're salivating. You're like, yes, we're waiting all this like 400 years for this nice, for this meal that we're finally going to get. And then they come and they give you just the appetizer. Well, they, as B- B- Bill Cosby said, they put it on a trash lid. They, okay, let me even add that. They bring a trash lid and give you an appetizer. So when they say, oh, they, we signed a civil rights bill, but are they enforcing it? Right, right. right. Oh, we, oh, we're in 2020. Oh, we just signed into law. We repelled a law that states 50A that states you, you, the public, will now have information on disciplinary actions involving a police officer. Really? So we'll have this information now. We didn't have it before. And going forward now, the, discip- the discipline specifically coming down from the mayor and the commissioner of chief police, we have no say in the discipline. So literally, again, trash trash handle, trash, trash, trash lid with filet mignon trash on it lid does with nothing. Filet mignon on it. To me, when I hear these things, I'm like, yeah, you repelled 50A, but are we involved in the disciplinary, um, disciplinary action? Daniel Pantaleo, the gentleman that who choked Eric Gardner, mm-hmm. sat for five years getting yep. paid over $80,000. Yes, yes, but that's a New York issue. This, what I mean is look at the Atlanta mayor moving. We don't have a Daniel Pantaleo situation for George. We don't have a Daniel Pantaleo situation for Mr. Brooks. So there is movement. Yeah. Yeah. In a particular position where she's in a black lady. And she's lady, black. They black could lady. easily assassinate her ass too. They're, they're trying They're trying to say the police, and, and here we're back to the unions and the so forth and so on. They're trying to say that she's acting irrationally. She's not. But, but when you're talking about- This is about why representation matters. Representation matters. And when you're talking about- uh, having your, your 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 foot to the ground, having your ear to the ground, and knowing how the city is feeling, you do things to quell. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Yes, I don't know if what happened first when it comes to chicken and the egg. I don't know what happened first. The officer got fired, then the Wendy's went down. <laughs> All the Wendy's went down, and, and then the, the fires officer got fired. Right. I don't know which came first, chicken and the egg. Or what I do know is is what Lance Bottoms heard her city and she she answered the call she answered the call and said we don't need to have we don't need to hold this video from you for 10 uh 10 weeks 10 days 10 months we don't need to do that we don't need to hold the name we don't know we're not doing that new york stuff we need to just say the person that was involved with this shooting we reviewed it he's gone i looked at the tape she's like after the protocol that i believe that i believe my officer should have this ain't it that's it point blank in a period that's what i mean about solution driven we have to look at little wins and yes we want huge wins we want the reparations cc last episode we want a lot of things but you can't undo over 400 years of oppression in two weeks or two months or two. Yes, it's taken too fucking long to get here. I hear everyone. They tired. They mad. Listen, you ain't saying nothing slick to a can of oil. I've protested. Okay. I've marched. I've written letters to my Congress. I vote. I've donated. I buy black. You not talking to someone who doesn't do this freedom fight in life. You're not. You have no idea. Though I don't know. I don't broadcast half the shit I do. Denny, you know. What I do for the cause. Am I correct? Factory. I'm in here sleeping not like a, a, the only black woman at a company addressing full boards, executives, CEOs, whatever. You have no idea what I do for Black Lives Mattering, right? So I understand the frustration. I'm very, I'm way more Malcolm X than I am Martin Luther. 
I'm ready with the shotgun if necessary. If we got to burn it down, then burn it down. All I'm saying is this is so traumatic to our psyches. This is so traumatic to our everyday life, how we eat, how we live, how we sleep, how we breathe, how we interact. The level of anxiety and fear that we have as a community about possibly having our sons, brothers, or ourselves and our children and our fathers and our friends be hashtags are real. And if you're like me and you don't have to be, but if you are and you need to every now and again, focus on what is changing, focus on the collective unity, focus on the things of the needles that are moving, then so be it. If you want to be like Denny Blanco, you could be that too. Transparency is very important too. When you mentioned Lance Bottoms, I was starting to think, I'm just like, you know, would we be in same scenarios if that blue wall wasn't a blue wall? If other officers were allowed to speak their minds and say, Oh no no that was that was wrong. Absolutely. Like right. that's, that's I not honestly okay. I honestly think public opinion eases on police officers when they see other police officers condemn. Yes. Not 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 wait 6 months, 7 months, Ahmed Arbery, Ahmed Arbery wait 7 months and then you come to the podium and be like, "Well, you know." Well, Ahmad wasn't and this is a distinction I want to make too. Ahmad was not killed by police officers. No, he was not, but when police showed up, and they started to do the investigation. They covered it up. Something happened between two months yeah. where that video and his murder did not val- was not valuable. Right. Something in those two months, whoever had that video, that man's life was not valuable enough to talk about it until someone said no. This is not okay. The whistleblowers who didn't want to be named right. started calling people and saying, yo, you think you need to look at this murder? Something's going on. Right, I think right, you right. Need to look- I'm not going to tell you my name, but I think you need to... And then all of a sudden... A video comes out and now police are like, well, yes, <laughs> we see it and it's terrible. F you. I agree. F you. But we have to understand where the police started. The police started as the cool. Am I saying it right? Clue? Yeah, Ku Klux Klan. KKK. Right? So we know the KKK is a terrorist, white supremacist, racial group. Right? We know that they used to lynch, hang, beat, rape, burn the houses of black people. In cowardly white sheets. Did you know there's an FBI report that was released in 2016, four years ago, that stated that white supremacists will be infiltrating police departments <laughs> to 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 kind of like a COINTELPRO. Do you yeah. Google's COINTELPRO to to obviously get more an, an understanding of the law and how it works to recruit more white supremacists. Absolutely, I'm not surprised to come into the fold yeah. because the law yeah. technically protects them. Yeah. Excuse me. The law technically protects them mm-hmm. from any prosecution, mm-hmm. uh, especially in certain states where uh, cameras yeah. are not available. Mm-hmm. Th- these are these are things where you have to look, sit back and look back and, and say to yourself, hmm, they don't, they don't want to be, when I say they, the government, they don't want to take steps to solve this problem. Um, as a nation, you may have California doing something. You may have right. We're New not York in alignment. Something. You may have Florida doing something. May I'm just saying May. No, no, not <laughs> Florida. Florida. Not Florida. <laughs> Florida. No, not Florida. These states, obviously. Then again, you have to think of it. Take a step back and think about it. These states 
Stand your law ground states. These states that had stand your law ground. Stand your law ground was never a law that was initially in the beginning from the Constitution. No. These were laws from the NRA, established by the NRA, because they figure if we can get a state to approve legislation with our lobbyists throwing money, monies at these assemblymen, if we can have these assemblymen bring these legislations to the forefront where we're, where we were now talking about stand your ground law is now uh, is now available where you can buy a gun and if somebody if you de- you deem somebody f- scary if you if you fear someone you have the right to shoot them the same law applies to police the same law applies to police now you have the NRA selling money uh, excuse me selling guns and generating so much money yeah. in these states so these states aren't looking to Slow down. No, they want to increase. No, they, they want to increase. increase. Because again, it's big business. Money. It's money. It's big business. It's buying more yachts and more jets and more vacation home and more silicone and more this and more that. It's keeping generational wealth in these white families and keeping it from right. these black families. So, like I said, solution driven for me, it's 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 more than just one thing, as you and I often say there's an equation right i don't believe that people need to look at solving any of this stuff with just there's one solution no it can't be there's there's such a deep equation here and it's 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 so much addition and subtraction and it's so much learning and unlearning and relearning and right so there's not more than one thing but when we talk about what's being talked about overall, which is defunding the police. I believe in the defunding of the police and the reallocation of the funds, there needs to be some sort of agency created that takes a lot of the pressure off the police to come to these nonviolent calls. Okay, so if we get a call, someone's drunk inside of our parking lot, if he's sleeping. So if he's sleeping, most likely... And he's drunk. He's already not in his right mind, right? So he's not going to respond the way someone who's non-drunk will respond. He's not going to be as fast as someone who is non-drunk. He might have a little bit more energy when he's drunk. Some people do get like bionic energy all of a sudden. But we know that this is not a typical case that might need the force that we would normally bring. So I feel like there just needs to be different agencies set up for different things. There are violations that have nothing to do with the cops that I feel like cops are put in. And I feel like if we had different agencies, you know, we used to have, what was the thing in New York? We used to call them the angels or we used to have guardian angels who did certain things like that. If there was proper training for these people without guns and gun, the gun laws in general, as you said, need to be changed because I don't want to bring a knife to a gunfight. If I'm a guardian angel, I don't want to be shot if I'm coming with, you know, a peace sign or, or taser. So if we got a chance to add to the equation, different agencies plus gun laws that restricted guns and got rid of guns so that we know that we're both coming to this fight with our hands. I think a lot of things would be different. Senator Kamala Harris went on the view and basically broke it down. Kamala, you Kamala, Kamala, tomato, tomato (laughs) went on the view and basically broke it down and stated the, the, the obvious you invest in the community, you invest in special, special programs to where now you, if you, even if you think about it, if you, the only reason, the only um, reason you don't call the police is fire. Right. You call the fire department for fire or a cat in a tree or whatever. That's the only reason you don't call the police. that's a separate agency for a reason. 100%. I feel like so, police have too much pressure. 100%. They get called for everything. The expectation of this human, that's a police officer, is 
to be called about a domestic dispute, get slapped in the face by the woman that's there. No, no arrest. Just literally just slap for no reason, whether it's he's trying to break things up, whatever the case may be. He's supposed to receive that. Then the next call, he has to deal with a drunk person. He's supposed to receive that. Then the next call, he's dealing with somebody who's high. He's supposed to receive that. His fourth call in his eight-hour shift is dealing with your mouthy ass who stole something from a Rite Aid. And he only making $40,000 $42,000 in his first year. He, so, he or she is supposed to have the patience after that long day to deal with you. You know what you get? A billy club upside the head. Or you're a not bullet getting, in the back you're of not chest. Getting, you're, you, you have the same conversation with parents who are supposed to deal with a crying baby for eight hours and just can know what to do. You're not supposed to respond in anger. You're not supposed to respond in frustration. You're supposed to just deal with that child because that's just your job. There's nobody coming to hold your hand. There's nobody coming to hold you and give you a pep talk at night when that baby's crying. You have to deal with it. But these police officers are in position to deal with babies. They're dealing with grown other people. So guess what they're going to do? They're going to take out their frustration on you on your head, on your back, on your arm, on your legs. And then they're going to have their police benevolent association or PBA union defend them, pay for their bail, make sure they're still getting paid while they're fighting. Eric, uh, excuse me, Eric Garner, uh, Daniel Pantaleo. Yes, the police union defended him in court every single time. The police union paid his court fees. The police union made sure he was getting paid that whole time while another person died at the hands of him. This is where we are. This is where we are. This is where we don't want to be. We have to keep moving. We have to have endurance, but with endurance comes rest. We have to rest and recharge. We have to do our homework and we have to fight in ways that make change. We cannot fight in ways that do not make change. Otherwise, we're exerting energy and resources for no reason. I don't want to take up too much of your time, beautiful souls. We can go on and on and on. And we didn't even get to talk about the B. Simone plagiarism, <laughs> the plagiarism issue that has been happening and I will get to that. Maybe I'll get to that. And if you want to join me, Danny, you can for my Patreon souls only. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Maybe we'll do that for my Patreon souls only because I want to tackle the inappropriate agreement that you and I and the world was, was given when we were told as children and also still told as adults that imitation, imitation is the highest form of flattery. And I best form of flattery highest. Highest is the highest. I I was told highest, best. Well, tomato, tomato, cousins, right? (laughs) Siblings, sisters, right? Imitation is not the highest or best form of flattery. Imitation is plagiarism, and imitation is different from inspiration. So, you know what? We will get into that another time for my Patreon souls only. I suggest that you subscribe to my Patreon subscription services. You have tiers starting at $3.99 all the way up to $19.99, and in between. Between, you have some other tiers at different prices, every price point for every wallet size. And those tiers get additional bonus ISM pod episodes and content and so much more. So if you want to hear us discuss plagiarism, the difference between imitation and debunking the, well, the difference between imitation and inspiration and debunking the 
oppressive, in my opinion, agreement where you're supposed to believe that someone who bites your style, mimics you and intimidates you means that they are flattering you. I suggest that you get down with our Patreon souls. Denny Blanco, thank you so much for joining me to discuss this topic. Thank you so much for your insight, your intellect, your opinion, your passion, your fervor. And say goodbye to the people and let them know where they can find you. I am Denny Blanco. I am Denny Blanco. Twitter and Instagram is, the, you know, I'm, I'm on there all day, a day. Holler at your boy if you disagree with what I'm saying. Um, I have no problem having a conversation and, and, and having some dialogue. Uh, Denny Talks is the show. Every Thursday, 8 p.m. IG TV live. Denny Talks. We there with Hype Williams every Thursday talking that good talk. Um, I appreciate everyone who's been there, who's been following me. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Stephanie Life Architect, you are appreciated. Thank you. I love you all for listening. I love my blackness in yours. I love my blackness in yours. I love my blackness in yours. Love yourself. Every hue, every size, every weight, every shape. Always in, always. Thank you for listening. Peace.